The Gospel of St. Luke, these words and the words of the angels to the women who came to the tomb, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you. Please be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Dear friends, I awoke this morning a little earlier than usual. I turned on the radio that is preset to the same radio station as usual, went through the usual Sunday morning routine, which usually brings me to the kitchen table for a usual menu of one poached egg and one piece of toast and one cup of coffee. I left the house, I took the same route to the same place to arrive here an hour before the first service, made final preparations, and then at 15 minutes before the first service, put on my cassock and surplus for the first service, all for the second, make my way to the sanctuary as usual, the same morning routine, albeit a bit different because of Easter, but basically the same Sunday routine to meet the same precious people of God who share the same confession, who bear the same name, who hear the same gospel of Christ and Him crucified from the same pastor that they've heard it from, from for over 1,300 Sundays now. You don't have to divide that up. Yes, it's about 26 years. A lot of sameness there. It's almost like this Sunday, though, is then no different than many others. I suppose it was like that for those women when they went to the tomb on that Easter Sunday morning. The two Marys, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, who some would argue was the sister of the Virgin Mary, not sure about her identity, but two Marys, Joanna, the wife of a steward in the palace of Herod, she was there too. Other women followed along with them going that morning to that tomb. 2,000 years ago, a pretty usual Sunday morning for them, except they had one unusual thing they were required to do. It wasn't exactly the same as it had been before on Sunday mornings. They, they did, after all, have a burial to attend to. But even that they had done before. They knew what they had to do. They knew how they had to properly do it, and that's why their arms are loaded down with oil and with spices and clean linens. They knew what they had to do for the lifeless corpse that they were there expecting to find and they didn't have time, you see, when they took Jesus down from the cross not that long before to do for him what should have been done because it was the Sabbath that was beginning only a short time after they took him down from the cross. But now that Saturday Sabbath was over and they made their early way to the tomb on Sunday morning to do what they hadn't been able to do. There was no undertaker, you see, to do it for them. It was all up to these ladies, emotionally sapped of every ounce of strength that filled their bodies because of the horrific things that they had seen, but who knows, 15, 20, 25 hours before, and they had seen this horrific sight of a man they had dearly loved going through the most excruciating human pain imaginable, that of Roman crucifixion. And they were exhausted emotionally from it all, these poor cross-shocked women making their way to the cemetery to do what had to be done, duty-driven, 
to do what had to be done, what they'd rather not have to do, to do what the twelve, now the eleven disciples, of course, couldn't do because they had fled. They were hiding away in fear in an upper room. When you think about their routine that morning, it sounds like an awful lot of people in our day and age too, doesn't it? Day after day, waking up to face one day after another and they're weighed down by this problem or they're weighed down by that problem, weighed down by this challenge or that challenge, this or that fear, this or that disease, this or that grief, all brought on to be sure by their own sins or by the sins of others some particular sin perhaps, or some other human condition of sin in general, you can be sure is going to take its bite out of each of our little corners of the world. The women that early morning waking up to go to a place that they'd rather not have to go to, to do a job they'd rather not have to do. Sounds familiar. Their day's expectations, often like ours, heavier than we sometimes think that we could possibly bear. And I say almost heavier because this morning, this particular Sunday morning, it turned out to be a morning different from all of the other usual mornings that they had. It turned out to be different, so different from what they expected, far different. In fact, what they expected to happen didn't happen at all, and the unexpected is what took place. How? Well, for starters, they get to the tomb, wondering, St. Mark tells us, Luke doesn't tell us this, but Mark does. They get to the tomb and they wonder, how are we going to roll away this two-ton stone from the opening of the tomb? And they get to the tomb and they found that their work had already been done for them, and they're surprised by that. After all, an obstacle to their duty has now been removed so they can get about it, but then they start thinking it through, and they wonder, why is that stone rolled away from the tomb. Who would want to get in? Not the disciples. They're all hiding away in that upper room. Who would want to get in? And you can be sure they thought, oh no. Oh no, might it be that those who so hated Jesus hated him so much that they would come in to desecrate his body even in death? Could their hatred be so great that they would stoop so low? Any wonder that when they entered into the tomb with some hesitancy and with some apprehension, I'm sure, and they found it empty, empty, St. Luke tells us, and once they found it empty, what was their reaction? They were apareo in the Greek. A word that means they were perplexed. They were at a loss to make any explanation of this which they saw. They were confused. Now even to the point of being speechless. Nothing was the way that it was supposed to be. Things weren't happening like they should have been happening. It wasn't the way. Nothing made sense to them at that point in time. Their exhausted minds simply weren't up to dealing with what they found or didn't find. There was no dead, cold, stiff corpse. It was supposed to be there, but there was no corpse there. In fact, instead of a corpse, what do they find? Instead of a corpse that's supposed to be there, there are two men standing there. 
Their clothes are strangely dazzling, the text tells us. Who are you men? What are you doing here? Where in the world did you come from? What do you want? If they didn't say it, you can be sure the women must have thought that. Human nature, you see, generally assumes the worst, especially in a crisis situation like this. But then these otherworldly men open their mouths, and from their lips at that moment comes the most beautiful message, the most beautiful words that had ever entered into the ears of these women, words that would change their lives forever. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. So women, save your oil, save your spices for another day. Save it all for another corpse because it won't work on this one. The Lord Jesus has no need of these things. Not today, not tomorrow, not ever. The tomb is empty. Christ is not here. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Everything has changed because he has risen. What a day. A day that started so ordinarily became an extraordinary day, a day that would indeed transform all of history, a day that indeed has changed your life and transformed mine, and indeed all who believe in him. All that, my friends, is why you, after all, are here this morning doing what you're doing this morning. You're here because of what happened on this day so long ago in such a faraway place and all that it means to have transformed your life as well as mine. Indeed, because of today, things are never going to be the same for you. They're never going to be the same because this day happened. This day transformed your life, not only for this life, but for all of eternity. How? Well, think on it. Think on the number of extraordinary things that happened on this day. A dead man was raised from the dead. Extraordinary? Indeed. But there's more. Sin was overcome today. The, the man upon whom all sins were laid on Good Friday has now been raised from the dead. Do you know what that means? It says that the same almighty judge who justly condemned Jesus to death on the cross because he endured and bore in himself the sins of all the world, now raised him from the dead. God the Father would not have done that had the payment that Jesus made for your sins, for mine, for the sins of the whole world, had it not been sufficient, had it not been adequate payment, the body of Jesus would have remained in that grave, but God raised him up, sin has been paid for, not simply ours, but the sins of the entire world. No one, no one in all the world has a debt remaining to be paid. No one has a debt unpaid. The check that Christ wrote on the cross, the check that he signed with his own blood, did not bounce. It processed completely. It paid for the debt of all sins in full. Nothing more can be required of you or of anyone else. Nothing, not even death. Not even the grave can be required of you. Think on that. Death does indeed claim us all, but just for a short time. Death which lays claim to every man and woman, and the grave in which everyone must someday lie, unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes first. Even though for those of us that must go through death, it's lost its grip on you. 
It has lost its grip on the day that death and the grave had to give Jesus Christ up. It lost its grip on you. It's all that simple. The gravity of the grave has literally been defied for you in the death and in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gravity of the grave has lost its power to hold us down. And so, what do we have to do in this extra day? Sin has been paid for. Death has been conquered. The grave emptied. Enough, almost. Almost, I say, because there's one thing more. That the text tells us that the angels said to the women on the tomb on that first Easter morn. One more thing they said. They said, remember. Remember. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and be raised on the third day. Remember the angel said how he told you. And we are told they remembered. They remembered. They remembered his words. He told them that he would die, and he did. He told them he would rise, and he did. He told them that he was the Son of God, and he is. He told them that he would be with them always, and he was. He told them that he would raise their bodies up from the grave, and he most certainly will. And they and all the disciples remembered all of his words, St. Luke tells us. And they knew, they knew that they were all true. And they spoke them. And they preached them, and they confessed them, and they chanted them in their liturgy, and they sang them in their hymns, and they sang them together in their songs. And because God's Spirit enabled them to do those things, we remember His words today too. And we speak them, and we preach them, and we confess them, and we chant them, and we sing them too. And friends, they're just as true for me and for you as they were for those who sang these words before us. True for you on that day when you awake in the future, perhaps without a job. True for you when you awake in the future to that day that you're spending time in the hospital after an accident in a doctor's office and you're hearing, I'm sorry, but, or that early morning hour when you awake sadly to a child's empty bed or to an empty space in the bed beside you or to the empty chair in your living room or at your kitchen table or to the seemingly insurmountable tasks that are before you, or to the worries and the fears that would rob you of so much that God desires you to have and to enjoy. His words, His promises, are as true for you as they were for those who first heard them on that first Easter 2,000 years ago. True because He did what He said that He would do, and He still does it for me and for you. Little wonder that the angel said, remember, remember. Because you see, remembering is is important for us as it was for that generation of resurrection believers. Because in remembering, they become confessors as well. Remembering his promises, his presence, it becomes confessing his words and his cross and his promises and his resurrection and his presence. Like those early Christians, we too can't help but speak of those things that we have seen and heard. Remembering becomes confessing. 
And it goes full circle so that confessing the word of Christ and confessing the work of Christ then becomes the means by which the Holy Spirit re-members, adds to his people and adds to his church. And that's the way that has happened throughout the ages. That's the way it still happens today. That's the way it's continued to happen until the end of time. To be sure, the world will attempt to silence the message by silencing the messengers of it, even as it's attempted to do that throughout the centuries, but it will never succeed. It will never, ever succeed. You know why? Because trying to put down the remembrance and the confession of the atoning death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is like the ancient fishermen who tried to destroy starfish when they would find a thriving population of starfish munching big holes in the, the muzzle and the clams and the oyster beds that they were harvesting, you know what they'd do? They'd simply grab those greedy little starfish and they hack them to pieces and they tossed them back into the sea. Big mistake. Big mistake because the next thing that the early fishermen found is that they were up to their hips in these slow moving little creatures who when sliced and severed just became new ones. One of the very first lessons learned in early aquaculture was don't cut up the starfish. <laughs> Hack one starfish in two and that's what you get too. Hack one into five pieces and guess what? You're going to get five. All a starfish needs to regenerate is an arm and a smidgen of the central disc of its body and with that, each member remembers what it is, and it duplicates itself. Remembering Christ and Him crucified, and what that means to us. Remembering Christ and Him risen from the dead, and all that that means to us. And remembering that Christ is alive today, working through His Word as we hear it, His sacrament as we receive it, and all that that means to us, here and now. That is the remembrance that creates that confession that resonates and duplicates itself throughout all of the world. And so remember it, dear friends. Remember it and confess it today and always. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. A blessed Easter to all of you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.